uh, to the Word of God in Psalm chapter 73. Amen. Amen. Read with me, beginning in the first verse. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are grateful that we are here. But more importantly, we know that we are two or three are gathered together in your name. You are in our presence. And God, though you are in our midst, we must personally invite you to commune, to fellowship with us. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door knocking. If any man opens the door, gives me permission, I will commune with him. I will fellowship. So, God, we're asking that you individually, we're making a request that you would enter into our separate booths of worship and prayer. That we might leave here having communed with you. Oh, God, may we sense that we are in your presence right now. May we find ourselves in the posture of humility. May we find ourselves in your presence in a posture of receiving as those who come to you with empty hands, that you might fill them, for you said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be, they shall be filled. Now, God, take what you have to say to us today and use it for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the house. The Lord, I drove by our property in Middletown, and a lot of work is going on. Amen, amen, amen. And we hope to be able to show you pictures and to chronicle this, uh, in this, this amazing supernatural act of God that we get to be a part of. We are part of this. So if you get a chance to drive, you can't drive up in there now, but you can pause like I did. I pulled over to the side and looked over the miles of dirt and said, it won't be long. It will not be long. Amen, amen. And we hope that Ed and Nina will come and join us at least for uh, our, first, uh, our first service. Amen. And we absolutely believe the Lord is going to pack it out, and we believe in God that uh, everything that we need is already provided. We already have it by faith. Amen. Praise God that Brother Thomas is in the house today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see Brother Eric again. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hey, come on, y'all. Amen. Encouragement. 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 Praise the Lord. Um, surely. The God of Israel is good. Uh, most of us have heard the expression, I'm having a moment. 
When someone says, I'm having a moment, it usually means that he or she is not acting or thinking normally for a brief period of time. You just ain't yourself. I'm, I'm having a moment. A moment of out-of-character behavior or thinking is not necessarily limited to a singular event that is confined to seconds, minutes, or hours. Your moment can extend over a lengthy period of time. You see, I'm having a moment really doesn't focus on time. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment really focuses on time, on times in our life when we just can't get it together. And I want to add that sometimes we will do things that are out of character. We will say things that we would not normally say. It's a moment. It's not who you are. It is not final. It's a moment. And don't let anybody try to convince you that what you did is beyond a moment. And we'll talk further about what that means in our personal experiences. You just don't feel like yourself when you're having a moment. I was listening to uh, my playlist, and I, I still don't know what's on there. Most of what is there, Brandon put it there. <laughs> and every now and then is something I like. I mean, praise the Lord. I, I like most of what he, he, he puts on the playlist. And I just started crying. I was having a moment. I hope you guys can identify with that in your own experiences. When Jacob heard that Joseph, his identified favorite son, had been devoured by animals, his 10 older brothers said, your son is dead. And they brought the coat of many colors covered with blood. Jacob had a moment that extended for 15 years until he saw Joseph again. The Bible says that Jacob could not be comforted. He was bereaved. When David was confronted by the prophet Nathan and said, David, you are the man. You have committed adultery. And unlike Saul, David said, I'm guilty. And the prophet Nathan said, well, God, will not, God has chosen not to kill you, nor to take the kingdom from you, but the sword shall never leave your home, and the child that Bathsheba is carrying is going to die. When the child was born, it was, it was ill. And when David heard that the baby was sick but not dead, the scripture says that he refused to eat. He would not bathe. He didn't brush his teeth. He would not 
sleep in his own bed. He slept on the floor. He would not leave his room. For seven days, David had a moment. He was so deep in depression that his own men thought that if they told him that the boy had died, that King David would commit suicide. David had a protracted moment because of the consequences of his sin. There are times, if we're all honest, that we all, we all have moments. And although our moments may be brief or focused on a single issue, most of the time when we break down and we act outside of our character, when we're yelling, we're screaming, we're hitting the wall, or we're cussing, and is this the so-and-so? Is that the, the, pray the Lord? Is that the deacon? And, <laughs> are you sure? I just see him kick the door and yell at his children and throw the dog outside. Most of the time when we have those moments, even though it may occur during a singular event, it just doesn't happen as a result of that one thing. It's cumulative. And that trigger will cause the dam to burst. And when it does, one of the things, again, I'm learning is that when you're tired, if you don't rest, you're setting yourself up for I'm having a moment. <laughs> and the problem is that sometimes the moment can become generational in its consequences. You did one thing. I only use them for roadkill one time. But you killed them when you use them for roadkill in that moment of rage. And so we want to be very careful as we experience those momentary, sometime extended over lengthy periods of time, that the consequences do not keep us out of the promised land. I want you to know as we prepare to make our transition to Middletown that we are in a moment. Moments don't always have to be negative, but if we are going to, if we are going to uh, seize the moment and experience the benefits that God has for us, we can learn from the writer of Psalm 73 named Asap. His lesson, his life experience will teach us how to deal with the things that are going to confront us that will cause us to have those out of the ordinary expressions that I'm calling, I'm just having a moment. Tell somebody, I'm just having a moment. Just having a moment. Amen, amen. Asap was a Levite, a descendant of Aaron, or Levi, I should say. And he was selected by King David. You get a chance to read 1 Chronicles 15 through 19. He was appointed by David 
to be the choir director over the temple choir. He was a composer of what we call the third division of the Psalms. There are five divisions. The Psalms are broken up into five separate books. And Asap is the author of at least 10 of the Psalms, and they're called cantons or songs because they're literally put to music. They sung the Psalms. And Psalm 73, I often have mistakenly attributed to King David. It's Asap, Asap wrote it. And so Asap shares in reflection, he's looking back and he's sharing in this song about a time in his life when he was having a moment. And he says, truly, God is good. You already read that. And he says, and he, and he, uh, and to those who are pure at heart, and especially to the nation of Israel, but as for me, I was having a moment. I was having a moment. There are four things that I want to share that I believe that are going to help us to understand how to deal with those times when we do those things that are outside of our character, that are outside of the ordinary, when we say things that we can't take back. The first thing that we learn from the example of ASAP is in verse 1. He affirms, he makes a statement, he, he agrees or acknowledges accurate, sound biblical theology. He makes a biblically sound affirmation. He says, this is what I believe. And he says, I believe that Elohim, the word there for God is Elohim, the God of creation. He said, I believe that God is good. He says three things about the God who's good that are that's biblically and theologically accurate. The first thing he says, I believe that God is. Amen. So he acknowledges the existence of God. This is not, the person who writes this psalm is not an atheist. That is someone who doesn't believe in God. He's not an agnostic, someone who, who believes that even if God exists, we can't know or shouldn't know because God would be so superior and supreme that his comprehending him would be beyond our understanding. So he's not an agnostic. He's not an atheist. Asap is a spiritually mature believer who is established and firmly rooted in the law of God. He knows the word. And then he says, I'm affirming, I'm acknowledging that God is good. Now, in theological terms, this is what is called the ontological aspect of who God is. Or the, God isn't good because he did something good for you or me. He's good if he never did anything for you or me. He's just good. So he says, God is. Hebrews 11.6 says, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that God is, that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So he said, God is, 
And I also believe this about his character. God is good. He said, but he demonstrates his goodness by keeping his covenant, by keeping his word. He is especially good to those who have a pure heart, in particular the nation of Israel. Pure heart doesn't mean a perfect heart, but he's saying for those who are committed to following God, the evidence of a pure heart towards God that is doing the right thing for the right reason is seen through our obedience. So if you want to know if you have a pure heart, obey God because it's the right thing to do. So he says, I got this theologically. I got that God is good. God exists. And he blesses people. When you do right, God will bless you. When you do wrong, God will curse you. Most of us would agree that 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 is a biblically sound statement and theologically accurate. But here's what he admits. He says, I'm having a moment because my theology about God does not match my reality in my life. God, yeah, the, we, we see that in the Bible. God is good, and he teaches his word. He blesses folk. But when I look at my life, when I look at what's going on in this country, I'm having a moment. Yeah, I, I, I'm having a moment. Asaph's word was like the wife who came to the past, and she said, you know, when I got married, I was looking for an ideal. Then it became an ordeal, and now I want a new deal. (laughs) When we think about God is good and all the time, God, that's the ideal. God is good all the time. We can clap and high-five and celebrate. But the real deal is, how does our theology gel with our life's realities? Now, what ASAP does, he makes, in terms of admitting, so the first thing, in terms of when you're going having a moment, be confident in your theology. Affirm, you can always say, I'm having a moment, but God is still good. God still keeps his word. I can, I can hold on to that, but, but what I'm seeing doesn't match what the Bible is saying. But the crucial thing, the second part is he admitted that he was having a moment. And he makes a, and ASAP makes a crucial, he, he does a crucial thing while he's having his moment. He says, as for me, I don't know about everybody else. But as for, let me, let me just come clean. Let me get real with you guys. As for me and my house. I'm having problems right now. Here's the interesting thing when you get a chance to look at verse 15. One of the things that Asaph could not do and did not do is even when he was going through the moment, because he was a leader, he kept it to himself. Because he knew as a leader, if he ever started talking about his reality not matching his theology, it it would impact the entire choir. It was spread like cancer, so he kept it to himself. And sometimes we come to church every Sunday, 
And it seems like everything is just fine. Praise, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm fine. God is good. And in, inwardly, we're having an ASAP moment. And so he kept it to himself. He says, as for me, I'm having some trouble here. Now, when's the last time you got real with God? You felt like you got the short end of the stick, a raw deal, left out, disrespected, misunderstood, ripped off, and all you could do is just sit there waiting for God. Where's the Calvary? Where's my righteousness being made new, new, or, or, or evident as the noonday? Where are the, where, why am I not experiencing the desires of my heart? I've committed my way to him. Why can't I pay my bills? Why is my family acting this way? Why haven't I been healed? Why? Why? How many of you know it's okay to get real with God? Amen. Now, his issue was not about the existence of God. His problem was with the character of God and the truth of the word of God. Is God really good? Can you really count on the Bible? That, that was his issue. God wasn't acting like the kind of God that blesses the pure in heart. I want you to understand something. Asap had not lost faith. He was doubting God. He was doubting the character and the truth of God. Now, doubt and unbelief are not the same. Doubt demands proof before it believes fully. It's like the person in Mark chapter 9, uh, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples. The nine are down at the foot of the hill, and the young man is brought to them, and he has, he's demonically possessed. He throws himself into the fire. He's self-harming, and his disciples cannot cast the demon out. And so when Jesus comes down from the mountain, the father says, can you help me? And then Jesus looks at the nine and says, oh, you of unbelief. And then he adds, these kind only come out by fasting and praying. And then Jesus asks him, do you believe? And he says, I do, but help my doubt, help my unbelief. I don't totally disbelieve, but I won't fully believe until I see proof. Unbelief says the supernatural cannot be proven because it's not real. So unbelief is it can't happen, therefore it can't be proven. Doubt says I will believe. You remember, here's a good one, uh, Thomas, the disciple. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and uh, 10 of the disciples said, we saw the resurrected Jesus. He was here. Thomas said, yeah. 
unless I see the nail prints in his hand and feel the pierced wounds in his side, I won't believe. And so Thomas was saying, I ain't saying it ain't may be true, but until I, it's proven, I'm going to be in this in-between. Doubt is in-between. Faith says, I believe having not seen. And so there are times when we are actually in between, where we're doubting God. You've been praying for something, and it hasn't happened. And you, 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 you want to believe God, but you won't believe God fully until what you've been praying for has happened. Now, here's the danger. If we don't acknowledge that we, that we doubt God, we doubt his character, doubt can become unbelief. You can find yourself totally separated in terms of your walk from God, where you have turned your back on God and you've left following God altogether. And so he admitted, he said, look, I, I got him. I, 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 yeah, I just quoted the, 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 the catechism. And I, I, I passed the test and said all the right things. This is the stuff they taught me in Christian school. And this is the stuff that we say when we give our testimony. But as for me, right now, with what's going on in my body, I got some issues. He admitted how this conflict caused his spiritual crisis. And he says two things. He said, I almost slipped. Now, in the Hebrew word, this is a weird meaning because we don't, we don't have a word that really captures the full explanation of what, what, what ASAP is saying. It means to be poured out. He said, I, I, I was, if, if you can imagine, he says, I, I'm like this flask that is filled with water. And I was not aware, again, having the moment is cumulative. When you finally erupt, when you finally explode, he said, I'm like this flask that has been slowly drip by drip, leaking out. By the time I, I caught myself, by the time I realized how far I had drifted from God, I was almost completely deleted. Flipping is like this, that, 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 that slow leak in your car. You're going to get to it. You're going to get it taken care of. It's still got some air in it. I'll go to the gas, and then one day you get up to go to work. You forgot to put air in that slow leak, and it's completely flat. He said, I was almost on flat. He said, to the point where I nearly stumbled. And the picture changes from leaking out to the point of total depletion where your faith is so weak and your doubt about what God can do is so, so, so weak that he says, I nearly stumbled. I nearly fell. Now, here's the picture. He's standing on the edge of a cliff. And he's, and he's going over, but if he doesn't get caught, he's going to not only fall over, but it's going to mean the death of his faith. He's leaving the church. He's not going to read the Bible no more. He quit the choir. I'm finished with this Jesus stuff. 
So he said, I nearly came to the point where I was going to totally, I was going to walk away, fall away from God, and I didn't even realize it was happening. I was dripping away. My faith was getting weaker, coming to church every Sunday, reading my Bible, teaching Sunday school, singing about the goodness of God, while at the same time, as for me, I was having a moment, but I couldn't be honest about it because if I told somebody, I almost, I almost became a Muslim. <laughs> At least they get to hate people. <laughs> we, I can't even hate nobody. <laughs> so he affirmed God is good. God exists. God blesses those who are pure, do the right thing for the right reason. That ain't what I'm saying. So let me, just, let me just come clean. Oh, I pray for the kind of relationships in this church where you can just come clean. And people understand, it's just a moment. That ain't, I'm just being honest. I'm just pouring my heart out. I'm not, I may sound wretched right about now. And in fact, we are wretched, but we, 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 like, we look pretty good. We smell pretty good. But a skunk is a skunk. We I mean, ain't skunk. I ain't saying that I'm no skunk. But I am a sinner saved by grace. And Paul said, but for the grace of God, so go I. I have the capacity to do everything that I used to do. But for the constraining, the Bible says, but the love of Christ is what holds me back. But when I'm having that moment, I heard a man say, that he was struggling with lust, married. He said, I told my wife. I'm like, you did? What? Where's the wound at? And then he also shared, here we go, here we go. You remember the story of Potiphar's wife and Joseph? He said, women lust too. I got kind of quiet up in here. She, 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 wanted, she wanted a piece of Joseph. So men ain't the only ones that have this problem. But he was able to be honest with his wife and say, look, there's somebody at my job that is, has got, hots, got the hots for me, however they say it now. And by exposing it, Bringing to light what, what the devil magnifies in the dark. That, that allurement, that, that, that attraction was broken. Do you have those kind of relationships that you could actually tell your wife? Or you could tell your husband, I burned your food on purpose. <laughs> I know it tastes funny. <laughs> Let me just come clean. I was having a moment. <laughs> uh, of course, Christian women don't do those kinds of things. Aren't you glad? So he admitted, he said, as for me, I'm constantly looking for opportunities to have those relationships where I'm able, I am able to say I'm having a moment. Amen.
Oh, pastors don't have. Yes, we do. Oh, that's weak. I, oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, <clears throat> so he was also aware of what caused him to almost denounce his faith in God and return to living in sin. He was aware. You got to know what's triggering you. What, what, what's making you not want to read your Bible? What's keeping you from coming to church? What's keeping you from fellowshipping with other Christians? Why are you so comfortable with people that don't know the Lord? You need to understand why you're having this moment. He says, in verse 3 and 4, he says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from, from common human burdens. He said, the word envy in Hebrew, it literally means it's when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, it made my blood boil. I literally turned red at how I feel disadvantaged because of their perceived advantage. And so the first thing he said, let me tell you, I'm aware of what this is. He says, the prosperity, the material prosperity of the wicked. Why do they accumulate wealth and we stay broke? Verse 12 says, this is what the wicked are like. They go on amassing wealth. They keep getting wealthy. They keep getting the best jobs. They keep getting promoted. And yet, I, the harder I work, it seems like the less I'm prospering financially. He said, let me tell you another reason why I have an issue. He said, the prosperity of the wicked physically. He said, they have no struggles with their bodies. They're healthy and strong. They get the best doctors. They eat the best food. They, they, you go to their, their stores, they don't have uh, vegetables and fruit that's been there for two weeks. They get fresh produce. They ain't eating pig feet and chitlins and hog malls as the primary thing that's on the menu. And, and, and processed foods. He said they're healthy. But we stay sick and only get diagnosed when they're carrying us out on a gurney. He said, here's the third area that I have an issue with. He said, uh, uh, when it comes to the pro uh, prosperity, the, the prosperity, they prosper physically. He said, they have no struggles. Their body are healthy. And then the third thing, he said, they prosper socially. He says, uh, the scripture says, they don't have to deal. Uh, it's uh, where it says, um, they have no burdens, no social burdens. They ain't dealing with drama like we drill with. They get to live wherever they want to live. They're not racially profiled. They don't have to worry about the police pulling them over. They, I mean, they just have it in an unfair way better than we do. He said, that's, that's one of my areas. He said, here's the second thing that messes me up. He said, the pride of the wicked. They're arrogant. He said, therefore, their pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence from their callous hearts comes iniquity. 
Their evil imaginations has no limit. He said, first of all, they're cocky. Proud people are cocky. He said, they wear their arrogance like a necklace. They show off what they got. They show off where they've been. They show off what they own. They wear it like a necklace. They're not only cocky, but they're cruel. He says their garments, they dress up to hurt people. They dress up to cause mischief. They dress up to put things in motion that will make your life worse. They're callous. They have no concern for right or wrong. For their callous hearts, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. That's the times that we're living in. Wrong is right and right is wrong. That the proud are completely out of control. He says their evil imaginations have no limits. They make up ways to do cruel things. All you got to do is look at TikTok. Look at, look at this. Let me show you the next way. I can, I'm going to imagine something that is so terrible that you're going to have to look at it. We done looked at so much ungodly Stuff that God, I, I can imagine, the Bible said that he, he doesn't look on our sin. There's some things that we have seen that are so terrible, it has made our hearts callous to, to evil. And so he said, I, 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 I'm upset about the pride of the wicked. I'm upset about the prosperity of the wicked. Then he says, I'm also upset about the provocation of the wicked. He said, they scoff and they speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to the heavens, and they say, where is God? God can't, man, we got, we got gimmicks and technology now. God can't even hear us imagining our sins. God is weak. God is limited. And, and, and while they're doing all of this, you're hearing them. There, there used to be a time that people said, don't swear. God will strike you dead. We wouldn't swear. They told me you drive by the cemetery. Please, Justice Mike, they drive by the cemetery and you point at it. You had to bite your finger until it hurt. That's what they told me. I'd be biting on my finger. <laughs> like, eh. And now, we never read the Bible, but you better not mess with the Bible. It was the dustiest piece of uh, uh, furniture. I, it was like furniture. It was always on. It was, in fact, what's funny about the Bible we had was the living. It was the uh, uh, Living World Translation of the Bible by the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> it's right on our front man mantle. Don't mess with the Bible. But there are people who literally are daring God to prove His existence. And so when we watch that and see, said, well, what's going on? Why is this happening? Where are you, God? Shut their mouths. Wipe them out, Jesus. Of course, we, we, we say that lovingly. Wipe them out. Get them, Jesus. Aren't you glad when it comes to us? The Bible says, God is not slack concerning his promises towards us, but he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Aren't you glad God waited on you? I'm so glad also that he's no respecter of person. Here's the fourth thing that he said was, that bothered him. The problem, the righteous, 
the righteous, that righteous uh, Asap was handling. He said, he says in verse 13, he said, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed. He says, I, I, could, I didn't even tell anybody. He said, I tried to understand. I was trying to understand. How is it that I'm praying, I'm abstaining from sin, I'm doing what the Bible says, but I'm getting, every day it seems like I'm getting punished. <laughs> every day my bank account is overdrawn. Now, it ain't God's fault, but every day. <laughs> what is the benefit if, if I'm going to suffer like this, why did I get saved? Why didn't I stay in the world? Why shouldn't I eat, drink, and be merry? Because tomorrow we're going to die. Sinners get to have a ball. And I'm constantly, seemingly under the chastisement of God. When I, when I think about Asaph's uh, uh, moment, it reminds me of an episode with this, uh, uh, some of you. This is way beyond your years. The Three Stooges. They get hired as plumbers. <laughs> And they go to this mansion to correct the plumbing problem. So by the time they get finished, water's coming out of the clock, water's coming out of the stove, water's coming out of the phones, and water, I mean, everywhere the water is not supposed to be coming from, it's coming from there. And then there's, there's this black cook, a cook, he's in the kitchen, and he's trying to stop the water. And he says, "Here's a, this is a classic line. He says, this house sure done gone crazy. <laughs> and he's slipping and sliding. And when, when, when you look at this world, it's not funny, but it's like, this world sure done gone crazy. Water's coming where it shouldn't be coming from. The wicked are prospering. The wicked are pointing their finger in the face of God and daring God to do something. The wicked never seem to get sick. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm struggling, Lord. I got one foot in. I mean, I'm almost about to just check out. If I wasn't a teacher, I might not even be coming to church. If my, if my wife wasn't on my case, I probably wouldn't be following on live stream. I'm, I'm, I'm about to slip. I'm going to stumble. I, I, this, this just doesn't make any sense. What's going on, God? You're supposed to be good. But I'm hurting. I'm angry. You allowed them to do this to me. Where is your goodness? Where, where is what is happening lining up with the word? Then, after affirming his faith, admitting he has a crisis in faith, sharing his awareness of what's causing it, Asap does another thing. He activates his faith to overcome his moment of spiritual crisis. Look, look how he does this. 
the first thing he said, this, this just blew me away. This blew me away. He says in verse, uh, 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 verse 15, he, said, he talks about how he couldn't share it. He said, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. But watch this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. The first thing he did was to return to in-person worship. He went back to church. <laughs> he said, when I went back to church, and that this is a danger, and I know some folk can't come in, and please don't feel bad because of your health, et cetera. God bless you. Thank God for life stream. But there's a danger when you're, when you're not around your brothers and sisters. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the ascending together of yourselves as the manner of some is. But coming together, we need encouragement to build one another up. That's why we come together, to strengthen one another, to build one another up, to edify. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. He didn't say, let us stay. He said, let us go where? Into the house of the Lord. He said, I didn't get an understanding. I want you to understand when the church comes together under one roof, when we return to in-person worship, God releases supernatural blessings. You don't believe me? Just look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said, first of all, when you come together, talks about corporate prayer, the sweetness of corporate prayer. And when we start praying as a church in one place for, for those who are unsaved, God does something when the church comes together and we touch and we agree. And so the first thing that he did to activate his faith, to keep from stumbling and falling away from God, he returned to in-person worship. There's a danger that there's some people, and you notice there's a time when we would miss church, but there's some people in the church that have become totally indifferent. They're past, that's a whole nother sermon. The past, what happens when you stay away too long, your passion for God wanes. You cannot be separated from members of the body and get the proper circulation that you need to grow. So what we need, the, the thing that we're going to build to last is this first, this is the whole sermon. Really return, return to in-person work. He said, when I went back to the house of God, it might be somebody's testimony. You've been praying for years, and somebody gets up and gets a testimony, and there's your answer. You might be brokenhearted and, and, and contemplating ending your marriage, and somebody walks behind you and says, I don't know what you're going through, but the God of all comfort told me to tell you that you what you're going through, I've been through. Let me tell you that God can save a broken marriage. God can resurrect a dead marriage. You didn't get that away from the church. You got that because you were in the church doing corporate worship. We keep our kids from church. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Don't keep a child away from God. Fathers, don't send your family. You bring them to the house of God. 
that when I came to church, then I understood. You wonder why these, your questions aren't being answered, why your heart is still broken, why your faith is weak, why your passion has dwindled. I, I want to suggest to you that it could be because you have not returned to in-person worship, and you can. I'm not talking about people who cannot. That's why we have life groups. You need to be a part of a life group. You cannot make this Christian journey on your own. Come on, church. I, I, know, I know I'm telling the truth. I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I, I should just quit with this and I can come back. But uh, think, think of church in this way. You get invited to a party. Stand with me. We're going to stop right there. We're going to have to do some more with this. Somebody say, come to my party, and they tell you, oh, everybody's going to be there, what kind of food they're going to have, before your BCD, what are we going to be drinking? And you say, she's going to be there, and he's going to be there. Where it going to be? What time it going to be? You're going to get there, but you're not going to say, well, I'll watch you guys on Zoom. <laughs> no, you're not. Because there's nothing like a house, there ain't nothing like a party if you ain't in it. When we come together on Sunday mornings as the body of Christ, it is a time of partying. It's a time to celebrate the goodness of God. It's a time to rejoice. It's a time to testify. It's a time to reunite with your sisters and brothers in Christ. How dare us not come to the party? This dance may be for you. Asap was having a moment, but he was aware. He never lost his affirmation. He admitted, as for me, but he activated. The first thing he did was return to in-person worship. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, the church is in an Asap moment. We don't even understand where the fire has gone. And yet, oh God, it starts with admitting, I'm having a crisis in my faith. What we don't understand is that the enemy is also involved. And he's not just interested in you almost slipping. He wants you to stumble. He, would, he wants you to completely walk away from the call of God on your life. Father God, may we recognize that we can do something about our moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.